0: listening to fanfare tracks
1: because of the following special program wonder woman and the incredible hulk will not be presented this evening
0: (laughs) it's time to get all your star wars single five. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Mocaster.
1: That's
0: not true. That's impossible. What's Greetings younglings and welcome to Making Tracks, Reaction chat brought to you by those fine lads and lasses over at fanfotracks.com. Part 3 of Ahsoka dropped earlier today and this week's episode was called Time to Fly, But, if you haven't listened to any of our previous reaction chats before and you are joining us for the first time, then welcome, and I sincerely hope you have had time to watch Ahsoka Part 1-3 as we trample all over the plot as we give our initial reactions to this week's episode. In other words, this is just spoiler warning. So, catching everyone up to what happened in last week's double debut episode, we learned that former Jedi Padawan and Galactic Wanderer Ahsoka Tano is hot on the trail of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Having found a galactic map that may lead to Thrawn's whereabouts, Thrawn, the last Imperial Grand Admiral, is missing, presumed dead, after young Jedi upstart Ezra Bridger managed to whisk our blue-skinned Admiral away from one galaxy into another. The Daffamiri night-sister survivor Morgan Elsbeth is freed from the New Republic custody by former Jedi Balin Skull and his Padawan Shin Hati, who are then instructed to obtain the map that Ahsoka has left with her Mandalorian ex-apprentice Sabine Wren to try and decode. Sabine and Shin face off with lightsabers, with the more experienced of the two Shin defeating Sabine and stealing the map. While Sabina is left recovering from her lightsaber puncture wound, longtime rebel and now New Republic General Hera Syndulla is tasked at investigating Elspeth's prison escape, which lead her and Ashoka to Corellia, where they learn that whilst the Galactic Civil War may be over, there are many ex diehard Imperials still holding a grudge against the New Republic some of which have helped Elsbeth secretly construct a giant hyperspace ring called the eye of cyan which could prove to be the galaxy hopping gateway that elspeth needs to find thrawn following a tracker beacon that hera and chopper place on a ship destined for the eye of scion sabine once again submits to soka's tutelage and they along with hu yang head to setos to see for themselves what morgan elspeth is up to Joining me this week and every week to help with the unpacking of Ahsoka is long-time fan for head honcho, not hondo, Mark Newbold. So Mark, without giving you too much time to catch your breath from watching this week's episode, what did you think?
1: I really enjoyed it. It was different. It was very, very different to the double blast that we got last week. And refreshing for it, I think, because it was mostly action on the face of it, I I liked it. I enjoyed seeing a a full-length, proper dogfight, space battle. It it sort of reminded me of a lot of previous stuff that we've seen before. I really dug the new vehicles. It was great to see Sabine and Ahsoka working so well together. So I enjoyed all of that. But there was more to it than just what was on the the face of it. You know, there was quite a bit of detail, quite a bit of character stuff, quite a bit of story stuff being progressed. So, yeah, uh, first reaction was, yes, I was... I was really impressed with that episode. What about you?
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I think on you know initial first thinking about it, you're like, well, we basically, but not much really happens. It kind of actually almost felt a bit more like an Andor episode. What with the, <laughs> uh, with Hera and the, the council, and there's a lot of kind of talking, really but yeah. i think what we got was we got some nice character development a nice interplay like you said between sabine and ahsoka and their relationship from what we're seeing now is kind of slightly developing although i don't think ahsoka is warmed that much more than she had done in the previous two episodes um yeah the, the the dog fights which we'll get into a little bit later um i have some thoughts about that but you know generally i thought it was nice that there was these touches and whereas in the past it's very easy to go. Oh, that's so a new hope, mm. or that's so like something else. You kind of go. Well, that's you know, it's not just it's not just a nod to new hope. You know, the let's take the training mask. That isn't just a oh, you know. With a blast shield down, how how am I supposed to you know fight? You know, you think about all those different iterations we've now got of yeah. people with that mask on in attack of the clones. Even you know, you could even say like Kanan in yeah. with, with his uh, lack of eyesight. So things like that, kind of in some ways, it's it's almost like it's kind of like coalescing all these kind of like ideas that are generally Star Wars, and maybe in the past would be seen as fan service or an Easter egg, but really now it's just in universe it's just yeah. that's yeah. just life as it is in the galaxy you've said that a few times
1: where people have, have picked on things and said oh that's just a rip off of this or that's a ripoff of that all this storyline only works with this that and the other and you've said it many times well it's all star wars it's all the same story even yeah. if you hop from comics to books to video games to movies and now television, it's all the same story. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You do you can't help but think of Luke with the blast shield down. I even said the yeah. line when I watched it. It's it's obvious. But as you say, exactly. Yeah. It's it's it is. It's it's all through Star Wars and has been since you know for many many years.
0: Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about seeing this and seeing the training that um, Sabine's doing yeah. is that like. <sighs> It's. It's. I don't think anybody's under the impression that she's really like a gifted force sensitive. No. Um, and i think especially so, not the
1: cup on the table.
0: Yeah. And Hu Yang, because he's certainly so, oh, yeah. certainly not impressed. He's given us some sass again this week, which Big I thought time. was quite nice. Because also, actually, um, you know. Right or wrong or as a positive or a negative, I don't I haven't decided yet. But Ahsoka's quite heavy. So having him with a bit of levity yes. in that kind of monotone kind of droid, kind of like just seeing stuff as it is, is quite funny. And so kind of cuts through and kind of says stuff that um, you know, we're all kind of thinking. But like that training sequence was really cool because we we saw stuff that we've not seen before. And I think that's the cool thing is that like we've seen a lot of jedi training but we haven't seen hardly any jedi training not directly not you know beyond the you know maybe a uh a a master maybe telling the padawan to kind of reach out and you know stuff but this was like you know this was like lightsaber drills and interestingly it's um it's very similar to the kind of the stuff that i've started to see when i go and train with saber guild not necessarily about knowing the moves, but it's it's about thinking about the the lightsaber as a bladed weapon and yeah. so actually it's about you know the cut angles because like if you were if that if your opponent is actually stood there in armor, there's certain ways that you can cut, and if you cut in a diagonal way you you might go clean through a limb or a head or something, but if you cut like a different angle and it's not quite square. It, you're not going to have the same effect so you could it was really interesting and really fun just to see her kind of like her her lightsaber hit results when uh Hu yang kind of like displayed all those different things yeah so the different styles and the names uh, of those kind of i i guess uh, moves that i don't think Although I could be mistaken, we've uh, we've had specific names for some of these movements before. We we have like the, the lightsaber forms, yeah, but you know not necessarily the actual specific moves. So that was cool, and maybe this is me just missing something from the Clone Wars. But it was really cool to see kind of like a, a grievous nod with Hu Yang with his like four appendices. You know, he's got four arms and stuff. Whereas uh, I don't think I've I've noticed that in that droid's design before, which I thought was really cool. It made me think certainly that obviously the grievous
1: comparison was was distinct, but also maybe explains retroactively how Ben had any chance of figuring out how do you take on a guy with six arms, you know, yeah. because you've got to assume Huang's been around forever and a day. Ben probably Ben Obi Wan probably trained with him, like Anakin probably trained with him. Absolutely, that, that yeah. droid's probably sparred with more Jedi than any sentient. And you've got to consider a droid sentient, any mm-hmm. sentient creature probably alive at this point in the timeline. So he's got skills and knowledge that that even Ahsoka and they are kind of. And we've said this before. There is a sort of disparity towards droids. They are just just shut up for now. Just all right, you've said your bit. Now be quiet. There is that sort of almost brushing him off at times. But then when you realize um, we're skipping through the episode, when they're heading towards what they at least now think is a hyperspace ring, when well, they're heading towards that and they're getting the scans and they're having to wait. And Huang is like, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait longer, longer, longer. They do, you know, mm-hmm. they, they don't do the sensible thing and pull away and, and save the bacon. They wait because they know he's not just saying it for for shits and giggles. He's saying it because he means it. So there is a uh, sort of a two way Balance with how they treat him. But certainly in that scene when he's training with Sabine, I found that really interesting. Also, threw up a question to me as well in that how far, and hopefully we'll find out, but if not, maybe ancillary material or later down the line in a second season or whatever, but how far did Sabine and Ahsoka's training get the first time? Because Sabine is still at that point where clearly as a Mandalorian with a melee weapon, with the vision and and eyesight, she's got a good chance. Maybe not against a Jedi, but uh, against anybody else, she's going to have a a fighting chance at, at, you know, holding her own. And, You'd think that that blast shield down, which was, you know, you mentioned Attack of the Clones, that's with younglings, that's with six-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing it. They're force talented. They've got a sensitivity. Has Sabine got any sensitivity? Has Ahsoka spotted something in her that that others haven't? Because Huang's not seeing it. Sabine's not seeing it yet. The cup on mm. the table, sure as hell ain't seeing it either. Which I thought was my favourite single shot of the whole episode. Was just that shot of the cup. That's uh, that's got to be a t-shirt. But uh, M- you just, MVP for the episode. Big time, big time. But you just wonder how far their training got before before Ahsoka either and you said it last week when we were at the the IMAX and it really got me thinking maybe there's more to their relationship more of a personal touch to their relationship than we realize or maybe Ahsoka just got that frustrated like this kid is she just hasn't got it and she's frustrated and and that's why she walked so I don't know because that cup unless they went through an asteroid field was not shifting from that table
0: <laughs> yeah and and I think that is the one overarching well there's, there's two questions there about I would like to see answered by the end of this uh this season anyway yeah which is why and then as you say how so why you know why did stoker feel that she needed to train sabine because as we said she's a formidable ally is this some kind of thing that she's she's had some kind of vision of the future and and knows mm. that she needs an ally yeah um and for whatever reason can't rely on luke skywalker or anybody else who might be force sensitive in the galaxy still floating around, but yeah. it feels like because I don't know if it's you know if this is to do with the whole Ezra Bridger connection because there's a, a direct connection to Ezra between Ezra and Sabine, whether or not Bat she's needing that connection to to move on. So that's quite interesting, and then obviously like you say, it's a how, and it would be really good. And you know the obvious thing or the the obvious story st- the obvious story choice. Would be to have Sabine walk away to be the one who's frustrated, but you know, it turns the paradigm a little bit if it's like this. If it's for teacher who's like, you know what, you're rubbish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but don't you you're... think it's a bit like Obi Wan last year when we all assumed that it would be Obi Wan looking after Luke, and it was Obi Wan looking after Leia, and yeah. it was just a just that little wrinkle that just made it work.
0: Just well, it, this is it, isn't it? And this is what is um has been really good about a lot of uh, Star Wars storytelling is that it's subverting the expectation but not subverting it in a way that is throwing the whole galaxy upside down on its head it's it's staying faithful to the law it's just given us a different perspective a different a new certain point of view to, to view the um the story for a different lens and if that really should be one of those ideas and themes that like they should be talking about before they even have shot like you know a megabytes worth of film. They should be <laughs> talking about that like when they're at the scripting stage, which is clearly what they're doing. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, so skip it ahead to then well really, the, you know, there's only really a couple of scenes in this, it feels like anyway, in this uh, episode. You know, yeah. the next real big thing is um Hera and her conference with the, the council. Yeah. It's great to see Genevieve O'Reilly take this uh you know this role again yeah like, you know in a slightly different time period to what we've seen in andal, and i think they've they've kind of ever so subtly although it's harder to tell through the the hola uh cam have aged her up a little smidge just to kind of like give that slight passing of time and and, and everything um but what's really interesting and, and i found myself sat there watching this kind of going wow it is so much like history rep- it's just constantly repeating itself yeah uh, not only from the old republic, but also then what we see Leia goes through with the um, the rise of the, the first order when yeah. in what thirty years time that starts to happen, and I thought that was really interesting, you know. And and for us, because it's kind of that dramatic irony, we all know roughly where it's going to head. To you know, do we we've seen this two or three times already, so we know where the where this is heading. So it's really interesting just to, to see how blinkered people still are haven't had like, you know, this, this happened once or twice before in the past. I
1: love the fact that we saw Mothma. I also found it fascinating, considering that the the story of Andor is not finished yet, and we don't know how season two plays out. But we know chunks of her timeline, and of course, the most recent to this is Jedi, which is a fairly brief scene, and it's great being. It wasn't. I don't believe it was on the headquarters figure this time, but it was on another capital ship. So that was interesting to see uh, her. her, You know, a rebel briefing room again, and Mothma kind of in it. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's right. that was very fun. But that being said, she seems way more compromised this time. She's not the the sole, not that she ever was, but she's certainly not the sole leader of the alliance now. She's part of a council because there's a Senate again, you would assume. And just Hera, I mean, a bit more heart on a sleeve than we're probably used to. I think it's, a, you know, in these sort of scenarios with Hera, mm. uh, she reacted quite sparkly, but she really called that one guy out. When she said, "You know, did you pick us all or did you wait till the winner had sort of become apparent?" Yeah.
0: Love yeah, that no, moment exactly. And uh, I mean, and you know, because the, the 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 one scene that so far kind of like you know made me think of was from Rogue One, where yeah. Jin is there and um, Momofura is there with um, the other leaders of rebellion, and kind yeah. of again, well, really, I think actually it's not so much Momofura being shouted down as more Jin. But again, it's like, you know, the louder voices seem to kind of like carry the, the weight and the, the argument. And that, dude, isn't, is that meant to be a, um, like a, a nod to um, resistance? To it the... said Kazuda, didn't they? Yeah. And and uh, what's his face? His dad is, I think, is a senator, isn't he? He's a senator yeah. for the planet. So I think that's probably, yeah you know that would that would make sense and if it's you know i mean kazuda is kind of like a fairly it feels like a fairly unique name so yeah, yeah.
1: it was good honest. to see a grand there as well because in phantom yeah. menace you had axmo who was up for running for, for chancellor and so you've had the grand senators always seem to be fairly prominent in sort of major galactic moments so that i thought that was a neat little moment mm. but just just seeing mothma it obviously adds another layer of Yeah, we're definitely in that. We're not that, I mean, we are, but we're not that far past returning the Jedi. The galaxy has changed. And also, you know, we always think of Endor. We we still think of Endor and the Death Star Battle as being the end of the war. But we know that there was the Battle of Jakku that came after that, and then it really fractured. But now it's clear that they are very conscious that there are still pockets of, of Imperials out there and we saw last week in the last or the second episode that the and trouble that there are imperial loyalists in important positions that have still maintained their sort of power bases if you like and yes they shut that shipyard down in corelia but on the galactic scale big whoop you know that yeah you just wonder how invasive they are and if a throne came through which again is just the underlying bubble of everything that's happening in this season how will he unify them? How quickly will he unify them? And and but but the bottom line is they're petrified that he will. Clearly, Hera makes it clear, very clear.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think she's. I mean, she's seen him up close in action, so she understands like his brilliance. And I yeah. think almost like, I mean, almost like what happened in that control room at the shipyard, where literally you just had a, a, a mini uprising as soon as like uh, you know they. Mm. Uh, the imperials kind of fired up i think there would i think if there was going to be a coup it would happen pretty quick yeah i think once once admiral thrawn is uh is present i think to a degree it will happen you know because again it's like and also it's it's how subvertive it is isn't it it's how how they can derail the efforts of the new republic government subtly in ways and 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 turn, or could even down to turn the populace against them. You know, yeah. it could even just be a propaganda thing, right? Look, you know, your galaxy is in turmoil with the Empire. You had order. You might have, like, a an Imperial Stormtrooper, like, boot across your neck, but you had order. Yeah. So And, you know, the trains run on time, people get eat and all that kind of stuff, and, yeah. you know, they can smooth over it that way. So, yeah, it's... Uh, <sighs> Uh, that that scene i think was interesting and what was really nice was obviously you know she mentioned jason and then we actually get to see jason which is quite cool it Um, was cool you know so that's quite fun and again opens up some questions about maybe her and her parenting style i.e um we assume that he's going to be force sensitive he's like he's half you know you could say half jedi half jedi Um, yeah yeah you know so it has Ahsoka maybe approached Hera about training Jason has you know maybe and maybe Hera's kind of said no that's not for his life or something because like he clearly he clearly knows about the Jedi's he clearly must know about Kanan and where he's come from so you think that at some point maybe that is somebody who could potentially I say go to Luke's academy but we also know what happens to Luke's academy so maybe we don't want him there I mean (laughs) that's that's true that's true but it it does
1: beg another question that you've got this whole situation with a new republic and they seem to be inactive rather than proactive certainly at which again as you say decades down the line a couple of decades down the line leads to the initiation of the resistance so we kind of know where that pathway is going to go but this republic doesn't have not the armies of the Jedi, but they the Jedi did become generals against their, you know, their wishes essentially. That's not what they were for. That's not what they wanted. There aren't any Jedi really at this point. There's people like Ahsoka around. They of course Luke Skywalker is still around. And and they've not really nailed down exactly when this story takes place. We know it's after the season two episode of Mandalorian. Where you first saw Morgan Elspeth, but we don't know if it's before the Book of Boba Fett episodes. So there's a possibility in in Ahsoka that you might see the first meeting between Luke and Ahsoka. We we don't know that yet. We don't quite know where they're setting this. Is it post season three Mando? We don't. I don't think it's been quite nailed down. So no. there's a there's a nice there's a nice sort of vagueness there that means we can't jump too far ahead in our sort of suppositions, just take it week by week. But just for this sequence, this rebel alliance or, or new Republic sequence, yeah, you feel the frustration of, of, of Hera. And clearly you see that hologram on board Ahsoka's ship and you see more Sabine surprised than Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka's kind of almost beyond being surprised by anything at this point, but Sabine like what? They're not helping, you know, cause you've got a history. There's a history. You mentioned the scene in rogue one, that is galactic history at this point. That's that's yeah. 10 years before. And that's something that's, you know, people wouldn't know about that moment before Scarif and that mom Mothma was there and she kind of knowingly smiles at Bail Organa as they go off and do it anyway. So, uh, yeah, you do kind of feel like you need that.
0: For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark banthatracks.com for star wars news 24 7 365 yeah! we have a rather long and drawn out space battle in this week's episode which is uh which is quite fun i thought um it did make me kind of question whether or not the, the bad guys had their blasters set to like training blast yes I think, yes because i mean that was it that t6 ship took a lot of hits it did uh, and you know um but that, that's quite an old ship as it is so i mean obviously it's a bigger ship so yeah. the, the turbo lasers that that ship has got is, is going to be more powerful compared to the smaller kind of like fighter yeah. which um do, do you know i mean it looked very similar to um again like the general grievous ship the, yes the was it the soulless one i think the soulless one yeah yeah was a uh, bub Be- Be- dead snub fighter or something
1: like that yeah 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 that. i can't remember how to say exactly but yes i've written about that before for build the millennium falcon so i should know that but yes it did it had that sort of the body certainly the the main hull of it it didn't yeah. seem to have quite the same engines because they're broader and, and stockier but the body of it looked very similar that shin was flying the other vehicles did have more of a Like you say, almost like it's like you'd see... You mentioned resistance earlier. The the ships in that were more like training Mm. ships and lighter vessels and speedway-type vehicles. Uh, They didn't pack a punch like you would expect. It's more because they were so fast. I mean, they did look a bit like Mustangs. They had that sort of World War II plane vibe to them, yeah. which I really liked. Yeah. But I like the longer protracted space battle. We've seen lots of space combat in Mandalorian, but it always feels very quick and done. It's very quick. and
0: Yeah, like I said, it's very quick. It's very fast. And maybe this is just down to the fact that maybe they thought that where they were building the I Scion was so remote in so that way that actually they probably weren't going to get bothered by anybody. And maybe yeah. like those... Um, blasters were just i don't know just fair just um you know warn people off. have yeah, yeah. warn people off and just um just uh like you know just for like low level security protection rather than anything else um but you know they, they, they kind of stumble on this whacking great big hyperspace ring which we've kind of had confirmed now um which is cool and and, and that was nice you know it's very easy to to get but you know to to get bogged down with uh, kind of like how quick and easy some things sometimes are in some like sci-fi shows about getting, you know, getting a quick scan. But having to really kind of build a detailed picture does take time. And so having that as a kind of like a like a ticking clock, shall we say, mm. or a countdown kind of ramped it up because I never really felt, and I don't know if it's just me and my age now, whereby I know that really is so been to be. It's going to get to be the next episode in this kind of scenario. I never really felt there was much peril when it came to actually how those ships were going to cause them any real kind of like grief. Yeah. Um, and in some respects, just felt like it was just a way to kind of almost move them on to next week's episode. You know, so um, but that I mean, there's some good back and forth between Sabine and Ahsoka and it's great to see Sabine in the, the ship uh, on, the, on the guns and also not be as good because I'm pretty sure like when she got in front of the guns or behind the guns I should say rebels should like knock out a TIE fighter like that so the fact that she was struggling and was fighting against what Ahsoka was trying to do in the cockpit that I thought again kind of meant that they you know they needed to kind of like stop working by themselves and start to re- and remember to work to you know together towards a common goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she did say when she sat in the cockpit, you changed my settings, you know. So I think in the Star Wars Galaxy, you would have your own setup for certain things. And, And the technology, it's always so attractive to look at. I love yeah you know, for example star trek technology it's great it's always visually interesting especially these days you can kind of see there's a logic that follows what we've got but like way out in the future you look at star wars you look at what sabine was looking inside that hk's head last week and it's yeah. bolted in wires and screws you know, there's some little magic gizmo inside that get, makes these droids as smart as they are and move and do what they do. But you can see it's literally nuts and bolts. You saw it in Phantom Menace with Anakin when he was building 3PO. So I love that sort of hardware analog feel to it. And clearly, Star Wars vehicles are that. But you've got to, I think sometimes you've got to just assume in in the same way, skipping ahead a bit, but the same way that ahsoka is literally doing cartwheels on the on the top of that ship and deflecting laser bolts you know uh, and people would go well she's in space she's actually in high up in the atmosphere you know that because you see the smoke come off the the ship and the lasers as it's firing you know it's in upper atmosphere but she's also a jedi so even though she's floating off the ship at one point you just think she's just going to use the force to pull herself back it's it's the space mary poppins thing again isn't it but done infinitely better so there's, you've got to sort of assume that different planets have different slightly different physical rules and different things can happen. A bit of leeway for things like that, I think, and also it just looks so freaking cool. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the battle and the interplay between pilot and gunner was really well conveyed. I thought it was it was really well played.
0: Yeah, and it was. Um, I mean, it didn't have a kind of a frantic energy of say like the Force Awakens between ray and finn yeah but then you're not going to with ahsoka who is uh you know and i think this is one thing that i think people forget it's like you know i think they are comparing ahsoka from when she was like 15 16 yes. compared to you know she's what can be what mid 40s yeah well, uh, yeah mid 40s so there's going to be a whole you know god if you compared me now to you know 16 year old mark actually don't don't know do that but you know that's that's clearly my point in case you know we're two different almost literally like two different people yeah you've lived a, a life between between those two ages so that's going to affect you know affect how you kind of come across to people so yeah i mean i thought that was really fun i i, I quite liked actually the, the, the going out in the space i thought that was really cool i thought it was kind of done to that to the point and they, they knew where the line was and yes. didn't necessarily overstep it i i really liked it um and i was kind of expecting her to kind of like float back in but then to actually need um like sabine's assistance to kind of like get her back in i thought kind of then kind of grounded it a little bit but you know again but how did she get that spacesuit on so quick mark I mean, well,
1: getting the, getting the Montrose in the helmet the, as quick as she did. I mean, that wouldn't well, take two seconds. It kind of had seconds, like a covering,
0: didn't, didn't it? Yeah. The, the Montrose had like this nice kind of like big kind of like bag kind of like stuff yeah. and that. But yeah, I mean, having knowing how long it takes me to get into my space should, should, <laughs> when I do uh, Rebel Legion troops. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, you yeah. know, but hey, that's just a fun, but it was nice. It was a nice crisp suit. I mean, I like the colors around, you know, the blue and the white kind of popped with, with that. And, uh, you know and and just also just the i mean you, you kind of again you kind of think well clearly these bad guys haven't really had much experience because surely you know soaker's a small target you still take on the ship because if you know you destroy the ship you've you know she's yeah. stuck out in space so what's she going to do so but um but that was fun and again kind of like reminded me ever so slightly of uh ray uh in rise of sky i could do my backflip and taking like a kind yes. of kind of tie silencer wing off that kind of thing so it's all kind of stuff that like we've kind of seen but just kind of done in a different way and in a slightly different context so it it feels authentic star wars whereas the first time you see it it always feels a little bit new it always feels like everybody's kind of like jumping the shark a little bit but now you can go oh, <laughs> that's, that's totally fine yeah that's cool wicked there was a
1: moment when they got hit and they were sort of tumbling and they went through a hyperspace ring um, and i don't know why but i thought are they going to appear somewhere else that's what i thought as well
0: that's exactly what i thought i thought they're just going to end up in this other galaxy and that's going to be the the next two or three episodes but um yeah i'm i'm guessing the the, the hyperspace ring isn't complete yet or at least they haven't put in the coordinates because like you know when you see baling skull down on the planet yeah he's got like some packing crates around him and that so it looks like they're probably you know make they're going to make a move soon but they're still not necessarily ready. Um, I mean, I think probably the only kind of downside to like my only minor niggle with this, it did feel like the ending was slightly underwhelming. Yeah. It felt like the end wasn't really the end. And I was like, really, is this it? But then again, we don't know what we're going to get next week. And, I think, and, we, and we've just had pergils. We've
1: just had pergils. We've just
0: had pergils. Yeah, and and that also raises questions in itself, doesn't it, about like uh, Marrokumat, and, and you know, he he clearly clocks them. Mm. and you know, are you buying into the Ezra Bridger theory, the uh,
1: theory? I like, I like the fact that people are talking about it and throwing up other characters as possibilities yeah. as well,
0: uh, Galen
1: Merrick or. Gayla Merrick's been mentioned a lot. I've seen Reva mentioned weirdly from Kenobi. Uh, okay. So there's there's other names that have been thrown out there. I, I think the most obvious one that people have thrown around is Ezra. I personally hope it's a completely new character that we've never seen before, or maybe a background character from a comic. Somebody uh, noted a similarity between the costume of uh, of Merrick and then a costume that was shown of a character in the background in one of the Vader comics. Uh, okay. An inquisitor character, so uh, fairly similar, but they are all fairly similar. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy to be surprised, but I'm also happy for it to be completely new.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, me too. I, I'm not 100 sure if my own like headcanon and like kind of like series logic. I don't quite know why he would embed himself, unless of course it is purely because he knows that they're going to find Frawn and. And this is his chance to get close to Thrawn and then, um, you know, finally kill him if if he hasn't already, um, which he clearly hasn't from the trailers, spoilers. But um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I almost wonder if Ezra is that little bit, that one step too obvious. You kind of think that this kind of reveal will be fairly big and coming. I hope it's just like a new character or, you know, but somebody who's got like a really decent backstory. You know, really yeah, upset.
1: Yeah, yeah. And interesting when they got the ship going again, they're waiting for Hoang to come around. They yeah. managed to get the ship on the ground and just drop silent, turn everything off, even the droid, and the vehicles fly over. I, I liked the whole feel of of that whole sequence. Just the fact that well, now they're on Denab and you know, what do we do next? What's the next?
0: What's the next plan? The next game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing. What, you know, they I guess they've got to go and uh, go repair the ship and yeah, figure out what is actually there, and, and you know, is there anything on the planet be beyond that um, kind of like that? I guess like you could say, that temple, yeah, um, that map temple, and you know, because at the moment they're they're on the back foot. They don't necessarily know as much as I think, um, Elizabeth Morgan does. with respect to the maps so they need to kind of catch up so whether or not again that means that they just happen to hop on the ship and they end up in the other galaxy or they find out i mean that you know there's, there's lots of different ways this can kind of play out you know, and there was
1: an interesting line as well when Hoang mentions about about that massive hyperspace ring and how power you know they're using superstar destroyer hyperspace mm. engines basically and there's like nine of them so it's clearly crazy powerful and depending on the vehicle that's going through or going backwards and forwards but also mentions that ancient Jedi texts talk of pathways between galaxies that is yeah. that is totally new ground that that is fascinating to me that I just I just I don't know I just wonder because. You've got to think of the future of Star Wars as a as a project, as a series yeah. of, of stories. Is it going to be the case that now we've introduced a brand new galaxy? That in that new galaxy, presumably there's just as many planets as there is in, in what we know as the Star Wars galaxy, are they going to try and start telling stories over there? it's still star wars it's uh, you know the technology is going to be different Will it even feel like star wars am i just reaching thinking ahead way too far who knows uh,
0: in other words are we expecting a long time ago in another galaxy far far away
1: exactly <laughs> exactly know?
0: but i mean you know but, and and is this um is is this fair kind of maybe slightly more subtler attempt to kind of create a well yeah rather than a, a multiverse like a multi-galaxy you know for, for like yeah. a fair term you know i mean cause yeah so, so much could could change i mean or interestingly maybe the force doesn't work in the same way as it does in two galaxies and we find out you know because again there's you know the metaphysical kind of like realities don't necessarily work I, I don't know i mean you know it doesn't need to conform necessarily to exactly the same thing maybe this is like you know again reaching into the depths of legends and stuff maybe this is where the you know the Yuzhong Wong come from and, and actually the whole galaxy is completely dead of the yes. force. There just isn't any force there. And it's something that's unique to that galaxy. But I mean, surely if you're sat there and you and you own like Marvel and the stars publishing, you're kind of rubbing your hands thinking, oh great, we can start doing spin offs in that, you know, our own stories in that new galaxy and just kind of like write a whole new history, which would be interesting. However, has it, do you think, or could it potentially, could it make then our galaxy that little bit smaller because of it? I I think, and I've said this a couple of times, I think they've made
1: our galaxy smaller by changing the the time it takes to traverse it. You know, they've made it so that you can go from one corner to the other relatively quickly. It feels like travelling from, you know, top left to bottom right in the stars of the galaxy now is you're talking hours maybe a couple of days it doesn't feel like uh, a, a a real journey anymore and the, uh, presumably the people with the most power in the galaxy now that seemingly anyone can travel around it in in minutes is is having the coordinates it's knowing yeah. how to get from a to z it's not it's not how it used to be where and I'm talking West End Games role play, so that's its own thing to a degree, but it always gave you a decent framework of an idea of how long things would take to get from A to B. Um, I, I do think a lot of things get taken way too literally in Star Wars, especially when you go back to A New Hope, as we did discuss in this week's Making Tracks. So I don't know. that That is one question I'd like to know a little bit more about. But, yeah, introducing another galaxy, to me, as, as a lifer at this point, uh, if you start telling stories set in another Star Wars galaxy, is it still Star Wars? Really? If Tatooine's not in that galaxy, if Alderan never got destroyed, if Coruscant's not the centre of that galaxy, is it anything to do with Star Wars? If it's all new characters, I don't know if that's going to hold any, any interest for me personally. But then again, I think maybe we're reaching. I think it's a plot device. Mm. I don't think they're going to want to go and tell new stories. There's way too many stories to tell in, in the existing galaxy. So whilst it's caught me on the hop a little bit and I wasn't expecting a new galaxy. I, uh, you know, it's the old in Dave we trust thing, isn't it? I think he's, he's set this up for a very good reason. Uh, you know, so I want to know what that reason is going to be. Uh, hopefully it'll start to play out in a I don't think it's going to be completely wrapped up and completed in a
0: but uh, I'm intrigued. Certainly intrigued. Yeah. And next week, I believe with part four is a halfway mark already. already. I know. I know there's a there there is a, always a downside to a like a, a double episode or a triple episode drop in that it, it it does seem to kind of like make you speed through the series that little bit more um so, was it so bad with andor was it when we had 12 episodes yeah exactly 12 episodes is is the right length i think yeah. whereas i think with uh, obi-wan um it felt short um again it did you know it, i suppose it all depends, you know, if, uh, if you are aching for more obi-wan adventures or if you are kind of sat on the fence thinking i wish this was just a feature film so you know (laughs) but um that is for another time if you want to be part of the action, visit
1: Fantatracks.com or be sure to comment, like and share on our social media feeds at Fantatracks. Send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at Subscribe, leave a review, preferably a post on on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Temple for composing the Fantatracks intro, Adam O'Brien for our making tracks only music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Tune in to Good Morning Tatooine. It's live Sunday evenings, 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and check out our Fanter Tracks Radio Friday night rotation every Friday at 7 o'clock UK time for new episodes of the Phantom Down Under, Planet Layer, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks, can fodder, and special episodes of Making Tracks, and every Tuesday at 7 o'clock UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. And remember, FanthaTracks.com, our social media feeds, FanthaTracks TV, and Fanter Tracks Radio are absolutely Free! free. So, no Patreon, buy me a coffee, Kickstarter, or Indiegogo required to stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news.